Welcome to Ozarks Hates and Hooch. This ain't no fancy, academic, check your references kind of deal. We are two sisters from the Ozarks, sipping and spewing about Hanks, Hooch, and history. Hey everybody, welcome to Ozarks Hanks and Hooch. This is Dina and I am with Dawn. Did you forget my name? Hello. Yeah. <laughs> no, I forgot that I had to talk first, though. <laughs> she did. There's uh, just, yeah, she did. It was just silent. She was like, okay, I'm ready to record. And I was like, all right. Oh, it's me. <laughs> it is. <laughs> that's, that's, it's my turn. Once all again, right. always professional here at Ozark uh-huh. Hanks and Hooch. We it's got it together. Let me tell you, we'll discuss it later, maybe um so we are two girls in two different states on two different wi-fis uh we'll just go ahead and apologize for that though i will have to say that mine has been better um good. it hasn't been dropping as much so that's good i do yeah. have people here today keith is gaming next door because he's done with finals so if you hear oh. stupid boy screaming um okay it's him uh scooter is sitting in his chair probably binge watching yellowstone i've locked the dog out um well elvis elvis has been an asshole today so i'm so surprised he's not in here so yeah if you hear me scream or whatever and yell at him it's because he got me up too early and he's been needy so pace had school this morning mondays are our only days off like Every other day, we either have to be at Shepherd all day long, or I have a show. So Monday's my only day off, and Pace had school this morning, so I had to get up at seven thirty and take him to school. I know wine, but still, no sleeping in for Dina today. Wow. Um, I am gonna go get my Christmas tree though, and I'm super excited about that because I finally have my husband home in time, you know, for a little bit of a time. So Christmas tree. You're getting a real one. Well, we always get a real one. Since we've lived in this uh, house, I guess we've gotten a real okay. one. Okay. Well, for the first year ever, I have an artificial one, artificial. and it's kind of like a, somebody called it it's, a Charlie Brown tree. It is, but it's super cute. I it's like it. It's way cute. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that means I can have it up earlier. And I have vintage lights on it, so I don't mm-hmm. worry so much about it burning down, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I burn a lot of, <laughs> however, I do burn a lot of pine candles because I don't have that smell in my oh, house. You so I might burn smell. my house down anyway. So, well, this is the first year that I can put the TV. We don't have to squish it in the, in the like living room, dining room area because I don't have the daycare. So I can put it in the big room. Oh, yeah. And put it in front of the TV. So I'm excited about that. And then later on today, here here's my plans for the day then later on today we're gonna go have um dinner at mom's house and the kids and i are gonna put her christmas up because she's not getting around very well right now i know i'm so sad i can't be there with you guys to do that i know i'm excited though because you know i have not seen parker since thanksgiving because he doesn't live with me anymore so i've texted him and i might have talked to him on the phone once or twice but i've not seen his little sweet face in what two three weeks something like that oh yeah. so the kids are coming yeah yeah cool. the kids are gonna come and help us put up uh christmas okay. um so to go back to all the stuff that i was supposed to say um we release on the first and then the 15th and we've been pretty good about doing that i think we'll even mm. do it this month so we who for us yeah um what else? I'm so uh, I gotta say I'm I am sorry to our patrons though. I mean we get it done, but we're not getting it done as early as I would like to, so that you guys get an early episode. But it's a couple days early instead of a week. So yeah, sorry. That's all right. Just reminding you to subscribe. We're on all the platforms, so make sure you subscribe and give us all the stars. Um, that does help us when people look our genre up. Mm-hmm. It helps us to be up there so more people get to listen to our little sweet voices. Yeah. Um, well, we have a website, ozarksaintsandhooch.weebly.com. And also, of course, please um, go to our Patreon and look at all the goodies that you get um, for deciding to be our patron. Um, 
and that's it i think right mm -hmm. that's yeah. all the housekeeping that i need to do so i yeah. can go to i'll go to the drink um the drink is called a welcome home and you will know why here in a minute um it's a little sweet but i'll just go ahead and tell you what's in it uh you got an ounce of gin a half ounce of lemon juice oh my stupid phone just a moment go away uh four ounces of champagne an ounce of simple syrup ice and a brandied cherry and then silly you combine the gin, the lemon juice, the simple syrup, and ice into a shaker. Shake well. Pour champagne into an old-fashioned glass. Add the mixture from the shaker to the champagne and add a cherry. Um, it's yeah. not bad. It's just as I took one drink of it and went, oh, this is really sweet. Don's going to hate it. <laughs> yeah. I did not I have the brandied cherry, though. And I didn't have I, time to make my own. So it did. I did. Of course. Uh, yeah, it's okay. I, I said... Um, this would be good for summer because it's got lemon juice and, you know, it's like, it's really like gin and lemonade with some champagne. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. I can drink it because I like sweet stuff, but even I, this is, and it might be the kind of champagne. I went and just got a little like, you know, single serve bottle from Walmart last night because uh, we're not going to drink a whole bottle of champagne anytime soon. I don't know why you wouldn't. Uh, but yeah, I mean, mine's really dry champagne. Maybe that is it. And so mm -hmm. it's okay. It's okay. I do um, want to give my neighbor, Jana Goss, a big shout out because when you look at the picture, you will see my very groovy glass that um, the drink is in, which suits us. Mm -hmm. So she gave me those for my birthday, I think. Yeah. 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 All right, so I think that is it. I'm going to give it on over to Dawn and let her do her thing. Okay. Well, this is, um, so I was, you know, here, this is our Christmas episode, right? Mm -hmm. We wish you a Merry oh, Christmas. Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. Anyway, uh, and so I was trying to think, well, you know, um, Dina did a good Christmassy thing last one, um, last episode. So what am I going to do? And I started thinking about, um, you know, you're either going home for Christmas like me, or you're having people come to your home for Christmas, or you're hanging out in your home for Christmas. <laughs> but a lot of times when we think about Christmas, we really think about home and hearth and whatever that means to you. I mean, home doesn't have to be a physical place. Home could be people or regions or whatever. But anyway, mm -hmm. um, I decided to do this episode on Ozark's household superstitions. And there's actually some Christmas in there. So um, this most of my information comes from Vance Randolph's book, Ozark Magic and Folklore. And I've got that um, on the website. And then there's some other websites that I, I also put up and I'll talk about those in a minute. Um, but uh, you'll hear me flipping through this book because um, I just thought I would read straight from it after sort of talking about what the themes are. So I sort of organized it in themes. Um, mm -hmm. So, but one of the things I looked up because I thought, you know, as kids, right, we all, like I was talking to mom about this, you know, I, you all know our mom does the um, illustrations and I was talking to her about this. We were trying to figure out what she could draw. And so I was giving her examples of things I'm going to talk about today. And she's like, oh my God, I never knew that, but I knew that. So I think superstitions are really interesting and how do we come to, I mean how do we not step on a crack that's going to break our mother's back mm -hmm. or whatever and Which, so I let me tell you I still try to I seriously mm -hmm. I am I'm not going to say how old I am but an adult woman with four well three adult children and one in high school I still don't step on cracks because I might break my mother's back I know the dumbest thing ever <laughs> so I looked up a bunch of sort of theory and there is some really interesting theory about not only how superstitions come to us individually, but how they're formed in the first place. So I, that's going to be my little introduction about this. And then the other thing I want to say is 
as I go through this, if you guys have Ozark superstitions that I don't cover or yours are different from what I talk about, and I'm sure Dina and I'll comment as I go through these on what we experience, but um, please send those to us through our social media because I'd love to know what you guys um, experience in your Ozark historical backgrounds, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So um, there's uh, some websites that I listed, but, um, you know, we can understand why some people believe old superstitions because they've been handed down to us. I mean, that's how I learned. Don't step on a crack. It'll make your mother break your brother's back. I mean, that came to me from somewhere, mm -hmm. but like, and, and obviously the ones I'm going to talk about today um, are have been handed down, you know, because some of them are still valid. I mean, um, but where do they come from in the first place? So um, to answer the question, we have to sort of think about some things about our own natures as human animals. So our brains are wired to make connections between things. It's how we learn. I'm going to get academic, sorry. But um, when I teach... Um, especially I used to teach speech and, you know, we're just bombarded with information all day long. And especially if you're sort of addicted to your screens, you're really bombarded with information. And so for our brains to make sense of things, we have to categorize stuff. Um, and you, you guys do that without even knowing you're do, doing that. So in the process of that categorization, you're making connections because you're connecting things to put them in categories and you're also connecting things to remember them. So um, our ability to learn and adapt gives us an advantage over other animals um, because over some other animals, because it allows us to create tools to help us to do things better. Now, of course, apes create tools and all the, I mean, I can't think, I just read an article. It wasn't an ape. Was it a bird? Some, some scientist was like, this creature uses tools. And that, that sort of separates an animal that uses tools from the rest of the animals. Cause it means their brain is complicated enough to, to connect things. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Uh, and one researcher said, however, it also predisposes us to make connections without any logical reason behind them. Although most of our connections are logical. So as we go through these superstitions, we'll talk about the logic behind them. Um, in an article from Penn Today, meaning Pennsylvania, the university, uh, I'm just gonna read it verbatim. In a new analysis driven by game theory, Two theoretical biologists devised a model that shows how superstitious beliefs can become established in a society's social norms. Their work, which appears in an article called Proceedings of the National, oh, not an article, I'm sorry, this is a journal, Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, demonstrates how groups of individuals, each starting with distinct belief systems, can evolve a coordinated set of behaviors that are enforced by a set of consistent social norms. They say, what's interesting here is that we show that beginning in a system where no one has any particular belief system, a set of beliefs can emerge. And from those, a set of coordinated behaviors, says Errol Akay, A-K-C-A-Y, an assistant professor of biology at Penn. So basically what that means is you can grow up in a family and have no predisposed practices. And then maybe somebody comes to live with you or somebody comes to visit you and they have this superstition and you can adopt it without any logical reason. I mean, it's just like what you said, Dina, right? You don't step on cracks. That's stupid. <laughs> Like, but I don't do it. But I you also don't do, do it. The, uh, see a penny, pick it up all day long. You have good luck. See a penny, and if it's, it lay. You'll have bad luck all that day. 
it's got to be heads up though, right? Except I am I had never heard that <gasps> until uh I don't I don't remember who told me that. And I was like, really? It has to be heads up? I never heard that. Yeah, it's you gotta just... leave it tails up. So now that you've heard that and I've said I do it, if you adopt that behavior, that's what those pen biologists were talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, like walking under a ladder, or whatever. Yeah. So I'm I divided these into themes. And the first theme I thought of when you know, I was thinking at Christmas is visitors, right? Because like I said, somebody's coming to your home, you're going to somebody's home, you're staying home, something. So here's some Ozark superstitions about visitors. When a woman drops a dish rag, she knows at once that some dirty individual is coming toward the cabin. <laughs> if, a if a cloth falls in a compact wad, the visitor will be a woman. If it spreads out upon the floor, a man is to be expected. It's bad luck to drop a dish rag anyhow. And many women take the cuss off by throwing a pinch of salt over their left shoulder immediately. So we've all heard of that, right? If you mm -hmm. drop salt, you throw it over your left shoulder. Your left shoulder yeah. But a dish rag. Also still do. I've never heard the dish rag, but I do the salt over the left shoulder yeah but i mean if we think about that logically right you wouldn't want to drop a dish rag on the floor because that's what you're cleaning your dishes with mm -hmm. you know so you can kind of see that as far as i love the um the phrase taking the cuss off by throwing a pinch of salt so that means taking the bad luck off i guess mm -hmm. okay if a coffee pot rattles back and forth on the stove or a rocking chair moves along the floor as a woman rocks it, she expects company before night and makes her household preparations accordingly. If she accidentally drops a bit of food on the floor, she knows that the visitor will be hungry. Interesting. Huh. Um, <laughs> here's some, you know, I've often said when you read Vance Randolph, it's so almost stream of consciousness it's just like he kind of divides things into theme but just sort of things come out of left field so when two roosters fight in the yard it's said that two young men will soon arrive if two hens fight female visitors are expected huh. if a dog rolls on the ground before the door people watch him closely knowing that when he gets up his nose will point in the direction from which a stranger is approaching. So watch Samson huh. and see. So the there, doesn't do that very often. I guess we don't have many visitors. Before the, <laughs> yeah. So there's a whole bunch of stuff about itching. Um, if your nose itches, let's see, if your nose itches, if your nose itches, someone's coming with a hole in his britches. That's a rhyme. Um, when I was reading the stuff about the science behind superstition, they said quite often superstitions are in rhymes because that helps you to remember it. So, mm -hmm. but there's if a right if a woman's right hand ditches, it means she'll soon shake hands with an unexpected guest. I've always heard that if your palm itches, that means company is coming, and then there's ringing ears and all that stuff. So there's a lot of superstitions about um about people coming uh -huh. yeah i mean what's the one where yeah company's coming something itches if your nose itches or your ear itches company's coming or something yeah. i can't remember so there's a bunch of them in here about sneezing if a woman sneezes before breakfast it means company will arrive before noon lord i sneeze all day long and nobody ever shows nobody up, ever shows up. <laughs> <laughs> so so i don't know vance um let's see okay so then so that's visitors right so i hope you got some information there you know that uh -huh. if you've got roosters and the coffee pot and the rocking chair and a dish rag don't drop your dish rag um okay i've moved on kind of to food you know, it's okay. a household superstition. So the first, the most important food really in a, in a Ozarkers 
world would be salt because they couldn't really make it, but they used it for so much. I mean, they cured meat and kept them from getting sick and, you know, all of that. So salt is a precious commodity that, you know, I mean, going from there, you can kind of see why some of these superstitions are what they are. So, so Mrs. Mabel E. Mueller of Rolla, Missouri tells me, him, Vance Randolph, that old timers were careful never to let the supply of salt get too low because they believed that to run completely out of salt meant a whole year's poverty. Above all, one should make sure that the salt shaker is full on New Year's Day since this ensures prosperity for the coming year. Oh, dang. Okay, I didn't I'm know that. I'm doing math. No shit. No <laughs> shit. Um, so I will tell y'all this too. I haven't read through a lot of these. I kind of read the first half of the sentence and sort of, so if I go, man, <laughs> that's because I didn't <laughs> see it the first time around. But yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I'll be doing that New Year's Day. All right. At a table, it's a bad form to take a salt shaker from another person's hand, uh, since this may bring evil fortune to both parties. The correct thing to do is wait until your neighbor sets the salt shaker down on the table and withdraws their hand, then you're free to pick it up. Now, I'll add to this, I always heard it was bad luck if you don't pass the salt and pepper together. Together, yeah. But you got to set it down. Hmm. Okay, we got to remember that. Um, okay, here's one, Dina, for us as Christmas uh -huh. is coming. If one spills salt at the table, it's said that there will be a violent family quarrel ending only when someone pours water on the salt that has been spilled. Well, just pour the water as soon as it's spilled then. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and hopefully not on the person that's mad at you. So. Yeah. Uh, and some people say that if you throw salt over your left shoulder, um, that'll take care of it. Take the cuss off, as they say. Okay. Um, it is bad luck to lend salt. I don't know how you lend salt. Um, often causing some sort of fraction between the lender and the borrower. Um uh, the mountain housewife seldom borrows salt if she can possibly avoid doing so. And if she does borrow it, it is careful never to pay it back. If a woman borrows a cup full of salt, she replaces it with an equal amount of sugar, molasses, or some other household staple, never salt. Hmm. That's weird. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Oh, and just uh, look at kind of as a going along with that, many people think it's a bad omen to spill pepper and that the person who does so will have a serious quarrel with one of his best friends. Okay. All right, so let's move on to other food. And, you know, I just picked some things out that I thought was interesting because there's a whole bunch of stuff. Um, all right. And so this is not only like food, but sort of things that surround food too. So okay. now this is this is one that grandma and grandpa and mom instilled in me. When one gives a neighbor something to eat or drink, the housewife returns the vessel unwashed since to send it home clean is a sign of an early quarrel with the donor. Okay, oh, I've never, but I mean, it's no. the opposite for us. You always return a vessel washed. Yeah, right? cleaned. Like if you borrow a car and you put gas back in it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So he goes on to say, I've known women in the hill country deliberately to smear a pot or kettle before returning it in case the vessel had been washed by mistake. Okay. Wow, really? Because, yeah, I don't, I'm sorry. Ozark hillbillies, I don't agree with that. Uh, okay, let's see, let's see. Oh, I'm sorry, just a moment here. The Jeopardy theme while sure. I turn the pages. Okay. Okay, this is one mom didn't know, and I don't think I've ever heard of this either. I don't know about grandpa either. Um, members of the older generation, now know that this book was written in the 40s, so <laughs> he's really talking old feel strongly that cornbread must be broken. It is very bad luck to cut it with a knife. 
I know some old timers are much upset to see a stranger, even in a hotel, cutting cornbread. I've known several who refused to eat at the table where such a thing occurred, but got up and left at once. Uh, uh, A furrin school marm in McDonald County, Missouri, having her first meal at the boarding house, offended everybody by cutting a piece of corn pone. Someone said, dang it, she spoiled the bread. Yeah. I had never heard that. I know. I had not either. I'm pretty sure they cut cornbread. Oh, I know they did. They did. Yeah. Grandpa broke it up when he put it in buttermilk to eat it, but mm-hmm. yeah. Um, he's He knows of several families in Arkansas who have a strange notion that one should never allow a piece of bread to fall on the ground. The idea is that if it happens, it will somehow injure the next crop of corn. I would just think if it fell on the ground, I don't know if they had the five second rule back then or not, (laughs) you know, um, there's an old saying that eating bread crusts brings good luck in fishing and hunting and also makes one's hair curly. (laughs) And I think that's probably just to get kids to eat it because, you know, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's what they say. I think Vance Randolph thinks, however, that this is told to children in order to cajole them into eating the crusts and not take them very seriously by adults. Okay, you guys that are cooking for Christmas. A woman mixing a cake always stirs the batter in one direction. If you stir it first one way and then another, you'll spoil the cake for sure. Okay. I don't know if I do that. I don't know if I do it in different directions. Mm. Um, Another thing to remember is that the person who begins stirring must stay with it and complete the job because if two persons try to divide the labor, they may as well throw the cake away. There you go. All righty then. Um, uh, a woman in Galena, one of, known to be one of the best pastry cooks in the Ozarks, says that cakes must be stirred by hand. She has tried several sorts of electric, electric mixers, but never had any luck with them. Um, it's said that simply because they are regarded as unlucky, although there's nothing specific. So, you know, hill people barely had electricity. I mean... In the 60s, I knew people that heated with a wood stove. So, I mean, of course, newfangled, fancy machines are going to be suspect, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hold on. Okay. Just a second. I have to go ahead. Like I say, Vance, he just... He just throws things in whenever he wants okay now this has to do with fire but fire cooks their food right so this is interesting uh i kind of agree with it never look directly into a fire that is being kindled if you do it will not burn properly and may bring bad luck to the whole household some hill Maybe people that's become- what happened to mom's fireplace because you know it keeps catching on fire <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> i just know if i'm camping and i i mean you're if you're kindling a fire there's going to be some smoke and you don't want that to get in your eyes that's what i would think the logical thing would be yeah. um some hill people become quite irritated if a guest persists in staring straight into a stove or fireplace when it's not burning well to do so is very bad manners and somehow appears to cast discredit upon the family. Um, it is often, oh, this is interesting. It's said that lightning often strikes a cook stove, but it has never been known to strike one with a fire in it. That's interesting. Hmm. Okay. That was it. That's it. Yeah, okay. No, that's not it, it, but that's the the it of that. Okay, and then we're gonna move on to um sewing and clothing, because that's household too. And 
I don't know. I watched um I watched uh after the fact the latest um Saturday Night Live episode and I noticed at the opening, you know, they're all in fancy clothes and we wear pajamas <laughs> at Christmas. But for, <laughs> and for Christmas some, Day, really. <laughs> and sometimes to the grocery store. Yes. Um yeah, yeah I, I mean in and they're the same pair of pajamas. <laughs> our christmas eve that we have on christmas day because they're new because we all get pajamas on christmas eve oh you just yeah. ruined it for everyone oh like they don't know we that i'll know sorry everybody <laughs> um okay back to clothing and sewing um anyway my my point was that some people get all fancied up i mean that's part of christmas some people get mm -hmm. fancied up some people wear pajamas for three days so um, a mountain girl who wants a new dress has only, oh, get this, Dana. Okay. A mountain girl who wants a new dress has only to catch a butterfly of the desired color and crush it between her teeth. She mutters some sort of charm too while the insect is in her mouth, but he says he's never been able to obtain the magic formula. I don't know. I think I just go online. <laughs> I don't know that I have to crush a butterfly between my teeth. Gross. Mm -mm. I'm okay. It's also said that a woman who shakes her apron at the new moon under certain conditions will get a new dress very shortly. But uh, that's kind of, he says, but this latter condition will, um, is regarded as somehow improper and he isn't certain about what's meant by it. So I don't know. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. I'm just gonna, oh, sorry. I'm going to go off on a tangent because this next sure. one, I'll, let me say this and then I'll tell you the tangent. Mrs. May Kennedy McCord of Springfield, Missouri says that the old woman she knew as a girl old women, were very careful never to make what is called a diamond fold in ironing table linen or bed sheets. Anything folded diamond shaped is likely to bring bad luck on the entire household. So my friend, my high school friend, um, sent me a book for my birthday, which is about Mae Kennedy McCord. And I didn't know anything about her. Mom did. I think grandma and grandpa may have known her, but she was a lady in Springfield who grew up in Galena. For you guys that don't know, that's really rural. Um, mm -hmm. It always has been. And um, she married a salesman. So uh, they moved to the big town of Springfield and she is the most interesting woman. She had like a newspaper column. She, at one point, the Smithsonian contacted her. She played guitar and she's responsible for keeping a lot of the Ozark music from being forgotten, whatever. Anyway, I'm really seriously considering um, writing a show about her. Ha <laughs> ha. So yeah, there she is in Vance Randolph's book. I will tell you this, she wasn't a fan of Randolph because she was um, sort of a local leader of the temperance movement. And she did not like that he talked about sex because she thought that was improper. So, you okay. know, if you read any of Rance Vandoff's books, Rance Vandoff, mm -hmm. Vance Have Randolph. another drink. <laughs> I'm only like drunk like a fourth of it. Um he he just told you everything. I mean, that he had learned about mountain life. So anyway. Mm -hmm. All right. Sorry about that. But look look for more of that. And actually, I may um bully Dina into letting me do an episode on her as I get into this because I really think she's uh fascinating. And I'm in contact with her granddaughter, who's cool. That's yeah. cool. So um, okay. The Ozark housewife seldom begins to make a garment on Friday unless she is sure she can finish it the same day. Which is weird because I would start it on Friday so I'd have the weekend. Many a mountain... Yeah. yeah, I don't know about finishing it, but many a mountain man is reluctant to start any sort of job on Saturday in the belief that he will piddle around for six additional Saturdays before he gets it done. 
Okay. Okay. Okay, so don't start anything on Saturday. Except, well, I mean, my husband doesn't only gets one day off, so he has to do it in one day. Yeah. Well, right. I mean, obviously, they, I mean, these are people that are were self-sufficient, so they didn't, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. A woman who, oh my gosh, I've done this a million times. A woman who breaks a needle while making a garment for her own use is horrified, fearing that she will never live to wear it out. Oh. Okay, I've I'm a testimony to breaking many a needle on a sewing machine and and I'm not mm-hmm. dead yet. If the garment is intended for somebody else, it doesn't matter at all. In that case, the broken needle has no sinister significance. Right. Okay. A mountain woman who sews after sunset or who pours water on a windowsill will be poverty-stricken all her life. Huh. Maybe that's my problem. <laughs> um, oh, a basting inadvertently left in a garment is also a sign of poverty because you got to take pride in your work. Okay. And some people think it means that the cloth is not paid for. Hmm. Okay. Uh, oh, there's like the word is gone. It's very unfortunate for a woman to button a new garment before it has been worn. So, you know, how you do, you see that on hangers and you see that folded in stores. It's unlucky. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then there, the word is gone. A something made shirt that must be homemade or something should be buttoned first on the person who is to wear it. But if this person is not available, button it around somebody else. Okay. So. Don't ever button it without a person in it. Uh, oh, Dina, did you have, oh, who was that English professor at Cotty that, okay, let me read this and then I'll see if you had her. Okay. I'm sure you did because I I don't think she retired till really late. But anyway, if you put on a garment wrong side out, it means good luck, but you must wear it that way until bedtime. Okay. Did you have that professor, that that little Southern lady, who she always wore her clothes inside out? I don't <gasps> think so. Oh, you caught got people listening. What was her name? Doctor. <laughs> anyway, I have <laughs> actually. It wasn't too long ago that I wore uh, a sweater inside out. And realized it and had to go in the bathroom at the restaurant to turn it right side out. And I wasn't <laughs> supposed to do that. So um, there are many tales of men who refused to do this and were carried home dead before the day was over. <laughs> Oops. Oh. It's not uncommon for girls in high school and even college to attend classes with their petticoats wrong side out because of this superstition. Hmm. Okay, I, I didn't have this mark, but I'm going to say it anyway, because, you know, did by the time you got to be a, you know, preteen or whatever, so when I, as I was growing up, mom would not let us wear, uh, take off our shoes, go barefoot outside till June 1st. Because if you did, you would die of some horrible disease. So, uh, this says, many old folks figure that May 1st is the proper day to shed heavy winter underwear. Children begin to go barefoot on May 1st, too, for the first time. Okay, Mom, you were a whole month late. (laughs) Um, I know that they wouldn't let us wear shorts. Like, we couldn't. Oh, I couldn't go barefoot. Not till June 1st. Because, I don't know. Uh, if you start on May Day, an old woman says, you can go barefoot plumb till the snow flies and it won't hurt you a bit. There you okay. go. Um, okay, what's this? Okay, one last thing about clothing and mm, sewing. It's bad luck to burn floor sweepings or shavings that have been produced inside the house. And... Uh, Ozark Housewives seldom sweeps their cabins after dark, and she never sweeps anything out the front door. 
Well, huh? I don't sweep anything out the front door, but I always sweep stuff out the back door. Um, I don't sweep stuff out the front or back door because we have lips on the, it won't go out. Oh, mine does. So, uh, one of the most progressive merchants in Arkansas will not per permit his janitor to sweep door out dirt out through the door after dark. Ghosts and spirits. This woman in Arkansas says ghosts and spirits are accustomed to stand about near cabins at night. And it's dangerous to offend these supernatural beings by throwing dirt in their face. Sweepings are best gathered up and carried out of the house or swept down through a wide crack in the floor <laughs> so as to fall beneath the cabin. Although there are hill folk who see no harm in sweeping dirt out the back door always in the daytime. Also, once you begin to sweep a room, it's bad luck to stop before the job is done. And never sweep the house on Monday, even in broad daylight, as this is likely to sweep away the family's money luck for the entire week. Well, I guess I'm not vacuuming today. Oh, there you go. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, okay. So, is that it? Yeah, that's it. So, the house itself, I guess this is kind of part of the house itself. You know, like, I guess that's sweeping. I jumped ahead of myself. Let's just say that was part of house superstitions. Okay. Okay. Never carry a hoe. And I think they mean the tool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's a mattock? What's a M-A-T-T-O-C-K? Um, it's a tool. Let's look. Okay. Look it up. But never carry one of those or a hoe into the house even to prevent the tool from being stolen. If a hillman does bring a hoe into his cabin by mistake, he must carry it out again at once, walking backwards. Most people agree, however, that there is no harm in keeping hoes or mattocks under a porch or even- It's like a pickaxe. Okay. Oh, that makes sense, the gardening. Mm -hmm. um, you, can, you can keep it under a porch or beneath the floor of the cabin, but never- inside okay, okay that's weird wonder i guess because it's dirty i mean and you don't want especially if she can't sweep the floor after dark you don't want yeah, to on monday <laughs> or at all on monday what yeah. if it's her only day off then what is she supposed to do well i think i don't know uh <laughs> it's always bad luck to place a hat shoe or rifle on a bed Men sleep with pistols under their pillows without any bad results, but never place a shoe or shoes on a table. This applies to even brand new shoes in a box or in a sealed mailing carton just arrived from Montgomery Ward or Sears and Roebuck. Now I'll say this. Okay. So also some of y'all may know that I ran a traveling tent show company for like 10 years and I, I uh, did some research about superstitions because theater people are really superstitious and um, the superstitions with a traveling tent shows are a little bit different than a regular theater. But one of the really important superstitions there was never to leave your shoes on the makeup table. And I think all of this has to do with it's dirty. You wouldn't want to put now, I don't know about the rifle, but you wouldn't want to put shoes or something like that on a bed, just like you wouldn't want to put them on the table. I still have trouble putting shoes on a table. Even yeah. oh, shoes it's just the dirty. Middle. Yeah, you don't put yeah. your shoes on a table. Right, gross. And I will say, I got a new pair of boots. Oh, Dean, I can't wait to show them to you. Uh -huh. um, but I also knew about not putting them on the table in the package so i had okay, to put them on that. the chair instead of on the table so i don't know i don't even know where i learned that from but hmm. uh the mountain housewife is careful never to drop a broom so that it falls flat on the floor and it is doubly unfortunate for a woman to step over a broom handle now i've heard that one uh oh some people say that when a girl even at a very young age, like a baby, steps over a broom, it is a sign that she will be a slovenly housekeeper all her life. 
Well, so. maybe that's my problem. <laughs> I don't even care. That's my problem. Uh, most people, oh, this is this is good for uh, us and some of you. Most people think it's good luck if a strange black cat visits the house, but it's very bad luck if the animal takes up its permanent abode there. Pam has a black cat called Jet, so. What, what if you... It wasn't a strange cat. You brought him here on purpose. Well, here, oh. here's more. To carry a stray cat into a house brings bad luck. And children are awful, often warned against this folly. Well, that makes sense. Strays, I mean, like you never know what's rabbit or not, yeah. right? Now, I don't know about yeah. a you uh, and your well, black cat, Dina. I would say he wasn't a stray. He was a farm cat that he was brought to me. He was a gift. Hmm. Well, you know, I don't know if they kept cats in their homes. I mean, you think for mice and stuff, that would be mm -hmm. good, but also fleas. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. Uh, All right. Mm -hmm. In fact, let me tell you, I've had three black cats and my two best cats were farm cats. Like they were barn cats that yeah. gifted me that middle poe or not poe um percy he was insane and i bought him well i think barn cats just like stray dogs are so happy to have a home and love you know that they mm. show their appreciation or whatever um okay it's always bad luck to kill a cat but the hill folk do not hesitate to drive a cat away by all sorts of cruel treatment um, this is an example of a McDonald County resident who would not kill a cat, but he chopped off one of its feet. Oh, ah. then he couldn't get away. And it, he did happened. kill that cat because yeah. he bled out. That's a yeah. big fat lie. Yeah. Asshole in McDonald County. Yeah. Never, never burn a dead cat, bury it deep in the ground or throw it into a running stream. Okay. Weird. A few hill folks say it's good luck to see a white cat on the road, but there's some difference of opinion about this. But everybody agreed that it's a very bad sign when a black cat crosses ahead of a traveler. So that's, you find yeah. that everywhere, everywhere, a black cat yeah. crossing in front of you. Um, I've seen countrymen near Little Rock, Arkansas, take off their hats and turn them around on their heads after seeing a black cat in the path. Many people are a bit leery of all cats, particularly on the highways. I'd just assume there wouldn't be no cat running across the road ahead of me, says an old man. Um, uh, yeah, well, okay, just one more bat a cat thing. It's very bad luck to be photographed with a cat. I was at Rose O'Neill's place in Taney County, Missouri, when a photographer came out from St. Louis to make some pictures of her and her house. He took one photo which showed a group of us in the O'Neill Library with a family cat crouching on a table. This was later pu published in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, and I showed the paper to one of the neighbors. She said, God almighty, I wouldn't have set that there picture for a hundred acres of land. So interesting, you know, because Egyptians thought cats were lucky and yeah. I don't know. Um, I know a guy, honestly, when I was like in my 20s and I was working for a tourist thing in Branson, Missouri, one of the guys that managed it was was a 40-year-old man. He was terrified of cats, terrified of them, and would kill any cat that came across his path. Oh. Uh, he was Say, awful. Angel Richardson is terrified of cats, and that made Poe like her more like oh, every sure. time she comes over he's like i'm sitting in your lap yeah yes <laughs> i've kind of known that too or people that are allergic to cats that's uh -huh. that's who elvis wants to glom all over i think it's because they know and they're assholes probably so uh okay uh so um let me look here yeah okay what so then the, this is my last one, y'all. I'm um, 
And the last uh, uh, section I wanted to do was about Christmas because there's quite a bit of superstitions about Christmas. And I didn't know this. We've been doing this wrong our whole lives, Dina. It's very bad luck to bring cedar boughs or mistletoe into the house except during Christmas season. Mrs. Isabel Spradley of Van Buren, Arkansas, says that every bit of green stuff must be out of the house before midnight on January 5th or some unspeakable calamity will overtake the whole family. Many old people feel that it's better not to have mistletoe in the house at all. So dad always went out and shot mistletoe out of a tree and brought it into the house. Do you remember that? No, I have mistletoe, but it's not real. <laughs> well, so it grows around, y'all know it grows in the Ozarks, right? It grows here in the South too. But if you look up in the winter time and you see like a wad of green in the top of a tree, that's mistletoe. And it's a, uh, what do you call it? Parasite. So it's bad for the tree, but the only way to do to get it down, besides climbing the tree, and it's often way, way up high, is to take a gun and shoot it out of the tree. So any excuse to shoot a gun for dad, and yeah. that's what he did. For a man that never hunted, for sure. Yeah. We had a hole. Okay. We had a hole in our the house that we all grew up in. Um yeah. there's a hole in the wall, if you remember. Oh, I remember the night it happened. Yeah. Yes. I, almost, I don't remember the night it happened. And I'm not sure I was around, but I don't think I you were, remember no. the whole. Yes, I know. Yeah. We won't, we'll just skip right over that. Okay. <laughs> um, I thought this is really interesting that I'm gonna I'm gonna end up with this. Um, you know, around here, like okay, honest to God, last week it was like 87 degrees. I saw. Anyway, and then uh, today it's 50. So <laughs> when you put Christmas up and, and in my neighborhood uh, and around the South, I don't know, I don't remember this in Missouri, but she, she neighborhoods will have yard like snowmen or angels and it'll have your name on it. And everybody on the street has the same angel, right? Mm. So we, cause my street's cool. The, the girls across the street made us all leg lamps. So they, from the a Christmas story, so they painted legs and then we had to get our own lampshade and light and we put our own names on them. Um, but we're always, there's always a question about when do you put those up? When are you guys decorating for Christmas? So a lot of people do it. The, I did it this year, the day after Thanksgiving mm -hmm. or That's when, when I got back. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but the 12 days of Christmas actually start on Christmas Eve. So there are some people that don't put their tree up until the night before. So that's what this next section is about. A great many of the old timers called December 25th, New Christmas, in order to distinguish it from old Christmas, which falls on January 6th. They tell me that in pioneer days, never, nearly everybody celebrated Christmas 12 days later than they do now. Old folks say that elderberry always sprouts on the eve of Christmas, even if the ground is frozen hard. You'll find the little green shoots under the snow. Um, old timers say that bees in a hive always buzz very loudly exactly at midnight on the eve of old Christmas. Um, if several beehives are set close together, the old Christmas hum, that's what they call it, can be heard some distance away. And this shows that January 6th, not December 25th, is the real Christmas. Hmm. Interesting. And just as a side note, um, I have a friend who got her PhD in theology. They theorize that Jesus was actually born in August. And the reason that we celebrate celebrate christmas in december is because it's really the winter solstice solstice festival which was a big pagan holiday mm -hmm. and as they were converting pagans to christians they kind of left a lot of their holidays the same like easter but they gave them christian uh, themes or whatever so okay um Okay, 
Uh, here's a woman from Van Buren, Arkansas, who told him that the old folks in her neighborhood sometimes called January 6th Green Christmas or the 12th night. It is on January 5th, the eve of old Christmas, that the cattle are supposed to kneel down and bellow exactly at midnight in honor of the birth of Jesus. Uh, a couple of years ago, I went to a 12th night party and um, Shakespeare, I mean, the 12th night, you know, is not that's January 5th. So that's an old tradition. So we're okay to leave our Christmas stuff up until January 5th. Well, you're if you put it up December 24th, I guess. And if you have a real tree, I don't know. Um, no, some mine people... usually gets put up December 26th because I'm done. <laughs> I need yeah, it to my... be not cluttered. Though this I'm year, home... since I can spread it out a little bit, I may not feel that way. Yeah, I usually do it on if I'm home on New Year's Day. I mean, I think I did that on the pandemic. Yeah. So, okay, uh, let's see. Uh, some say that critters have the gift of speech on old Christmas Eve night, so they may pray aloud in English. Our well, oh, another woman said, Our well had a charm put on it the night the cows talked, and I wouldn't clean it out for silver. So that's just to show that people believed that animals could speak. Mm -hmm. uh, also, there are some people in Arkansas who believe that water in wells turns into wine at midnight on January 5th. Woo! Oh, hey. I'll, I'm, I'm going to try that. <laughs> yeah, we have well water. Let's see. Yeah. It is said that on the morning of old Christmas, there are two daybreaks instead of one. He talked with men who claimed to have seen this phenomenon. Boys born on old Christmas are supposed to be very lucky in raising cattle and that these old Christmas children can actually talk the cow's language. Uh, there are old men in, in the Ozarks today, again, this was in the 40s, who swear that they've actually seen cattle kneel down and bellow on old Christmas Eve. Um. A neighbor tells me that when he was a boy, he watched repeatedly to see if his father's oxen would kneel, but it was all he was always disappointed. His parents told him, however, that the presence of a human observer breaks the spell and the, the cattle must always salute the Savior in private. Huh. Um, okay, in some settlements, this notion about the cattle kneeling has shifted from old Christmas to New Year's. Um, yeah, that they look at New Year's Day at exactly, uh, okay, I don't know. All right, hold on. Okay. All right, so here we're moving on to New Year's because that's sort of, um, an unexpected visitor on New Year's signifies that many others will come to the house during the year. This prediction is often regarded with mixed emotions since hill folk do not care for too many uninvited callers. And if the first visitor, now I've heard this, if the first visitor to cross the threshold on New Year's Eve is a New Year's Day, I'm sorry, is a man, the family may expect good luck. But if the first visitor is a woman, the prospects are not so good. I don't like that, but I've heard it. Well, I've got a pretty good, because uh, I, you know, have three males in my household. So. Uh-huh. Well, when they come to mom's on New Year's Day, you're going to have to send one of the guys in. Yeah, you um, always have to go first. Many Ozarks natives believe that whatever a person does on January 1st is an indication of what he will be doing all the rest of the year. On this account, many people are cautious on New Year's Day, and drunkards often make a superhuman effort to keep sober. <laughs> I have, he says... In Pineville, Missouri, I've seen men sit with watches in their hands and whiskey jugs before them, waiting until midnight to take a drink. Uh, let's see. All right. So um, some people open their windows for a few minutes on New Year's Eve just before midnight. The younger people grinned and saying it was supposed to let out bad luck and let good luck in 
uh, even though they were kind of, the young people were sort of laughing about it, but he says the old folks said nothing at all and looked very solemn indeed. And then of course, now this is something we have grown up with our whole lives. It is very important in some places to have black eyed peas for dinner on New Year's Day. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, those, they grow better in the South. So they didn't always grow well in the Ozarks, but people would Dirt travel peas. for them. Yeah. Here, have a bowl of dirt. Okay. Uh -huh. Let me just say this. Okay. Oh, okay. Let me say this. Then I'm going to say something about that. Fred Starr quotes a granny woman. If you guys, uh, I did a whole episode on granny women near Fayetteville as saying on New Year's, you just eat black eyed peas with a dime under your plate and wear a pair of red garters and you'll have good luck the whole year. Oh, penny. We always, a new penny. penny yeah. And I don't know about the red garters. A dish known as Hoppin' John, which is really very good, way better, better than, than the, dirt. the dirt piece by mm -hmm. themselves, for sure. Um, is is more of a traditional dinner in well-to-do families who would not eat such coarse food on any other day. Um, and I'll say, yeah, mom used to because. She would, she, she was, you know, a housewife in the fifties when everything was canned and gross, right? So she'd take a can of black eyed peas, probably not drain them and rinse them and just throw them in a saucepan. And that's why they tasted like dirt. And dirt. we had to eat one, <laughs> and, but and I take it like a pill. That's what I would do. Oh, I just put it yeah. in my mouth and drink it. <laughs> <laughs> and swallow it yeah yeah but hoppin john which i make for them when i'm down that's really good that's yeah like, it's not bad you take also what did i see a picture of oh i want shrimp and cheese grits when you're here that has nothing to do with anything but i need that to be made all right Go well on. you're gonna have to find the shrimp because it's expensive well it'll be have to be frozen because we live in missouri I know. All right. So I was just going to say how you make Hoppin' John, and maybe I'll put the recipe up on the um, on the website, but it, it has a ham hock in it, and it's got celery and peppers and onions, and you use dried black-eyed peas, and you eat it over rice, and it's really good. It is good. And like I said, I don't like the dirt peas, so it is good. Yeah. So here's the last thing about New Year's. Perhaps the most striking feature of the Ozarkers' New Year's behavior is their reluctance to allow anything to be taken out of the house January 1st. I once knew a woman who absentmindedly carried a bucket of ashes out on New Year's morning. She was shaken almost to the point of hysteria, and the whole family was horrified, although nobody seemed to know just what specifically specific calamity was supposed to result. Hmm. So we it's can't take luck. anything out of out the house on the first. Okay. All right. And that is it. That is my household superstitions of the Ozarks. All right. It was good. Like I'd heard of some of them. And then I have some like other ones that we didn't talk about, but they must not be um, necessarily. What are the Ozarks? Um, well, now I can't think of anything because you asked me, but oh. I thought of stuff while you were talking. Oh, well, the penny, I mean, we always had mm -hmm. to have a brand new shiny penny and grandpa would go to the bank, um, the week before, or, you know, when the bank was open and he would get a whole roll of brand new shiny pennies, pennies. so that we could all have one under our plate. Yeah. yeah. So. I remember that. I still do that. Now, sometimes they're not brand new shiny ones because like during COVID, it was just like, find me, I need six pennies. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> we got to do this. Well, you know what? That reminds me. I probably need to go find and bring with me some black eyed peas because I remember they're kind of hard to find oh. dried ones in Missouri. And some cheer wine. Black -eyed oh, I know. It's going to happen to you swear the things I if you with. come one more time without cheer wine my children <laughs> may beat you disown me okay yes <laughs> okay yeah. I know I looked at that so here's something else that's happened I don't y'all you folks in listener land piggly wigglies used to be all over the southern United States even in Missouri we had a piggly wiggly in Branson 
And when I moved to South Carolina, there were three or four of them in this town. And ours, we always called the ghetto pig because you could buy like chitlins and uh, pig's feet and chicken feet and all that really yummy stuff. And uh, all the Piggly Wigglies have closed, but the one by my house and they made it bigger and everything. And I looked for cheer wine. They had one case of it left and it was really expensive. And I'm like, Oh my God, where am I going to get cheer wine? Oh yeah. So anyway, if y'all don't know cheer wine, you get it at Cracker Barrel, but um, it's made in North Carolina and it's a cherry flavored soda pop. It's great. Yeah. It's almost like, cherry dr pepper it's kind of yeah it's got caffeine in it for sure so anyway yeah i don't know what i'm gonna do like you the big pig is gone and so maybe they'll have it at walmart or something but you have to drive to north carolina and get it (laughs) sure because yeah okay (laughs) i'll find it it just may not be I think one year I got everybody, all the kids got their own 12 pack, pack, right? And they everybody put their name on it. Because Parker will drink a six pack in a sitting. Yeah. So I don't think I can do that. I think we're going to be limited to a case or two because I don't know that I can find it, unfortunately. So. All right. We'll just have to limit Parker's intake. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. All right. That was good. I, I enjoyed. I did. I did too. I always enjoy Vance Randolph. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's certainly interesting for sure. Well, thank you everybody. We sure appreciate you all listening in. Remind you again to uh, subscribe and give us all the stars and go look at our Patreon and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. And remember, If you liked it, tell all your friends. But if you didn't, keep your big mouth shut.